Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So hello there and welcome back to another episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we talk all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending of course on which platform you choose to follow us on. And guys, it's a little bit late this week, but of course we've got the third, is it the third leg of our triple header? It's one, two, three. Uh, Yes, it is. No, it is the first. No, no, second. Oh, it is second. the second. Do you know what? I keep getting confused between Mexico <laughs> and um, the US. For some reason, I keep thinking they're a week apart. Probably because it, right, it might make You're more right. sense to we make them a week up. apart, to be fair, um, than some of the other ones that we've had this season. Well, this one, if, by example. But of course, we are going to be heading off to the Brazilian Grand Prix this weekend for the latest instalment in the Formula One season. Of course, there are so many stories circling around the F1 paddock this week, no less than, of course, a few that have surfaced themselves today. So there is a benefit, I suppose, of recording today than earlier in the week. But nonetheless, we're going to get it straight into those, of course, joined joining me, my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. As always, Courtney, first of all, how are you doing? Yeah, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Can't complain. I just feel that we're going into a pretty vital weekend here. So, you know, the, the biased side of me, let's say, is feeling quite apprehensive about it. But the Formula One fan that I am as well is excited at the same time. Yeah, it's good to hear. I mean, the way this season has gone, I've kind of got the thought circling around my head that there are only four races left to go in the season. Um, and yet, at the same time, I'm thinking, how are there still only four races left? There's just been so much going on this year. But of course... Uh, the huge climax that we're going to be in store for, hopefully, is certainly delivers on what we've seen already this season and will be a fitting end to it. No less, of course, joining us once again, a familiar guest. It's been a while since we've had him on, but uh, he's come back to join us. It's uh, Lee Wallington. Lee, how you been, mate? How, how's things? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me again. It has been a while. Um, you just weren't being friendly and inviting me along. No, that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, there's only so many guests that we can have on at any one time, Corny. You know I'm how it demand. is. Yeah. Well, we've been demanding so many different people and they've been kind enough to uh, give us some of their time and expertise. But of course, yeah, great to have you on again, Lee. Um, But, you know, let's get started on this. Of course, first thing I want to talk about is some of the news that's come up quite recently. uh, Recently is today, actually. Um, Quite a lot of teams have been having issues getting their parts and their cars over to the Brazilian Grand Prix circuit. Now, from what I understand, this was owing to a lot of fog issues where... Some of the freight planes, if you like, were meant to carry a lot of the equipment over from Mexico, even from Miami in some degrees, over to Interlagos. And there was a lot of delays getting the stuff over. I think the only, um, I think it was like six or seven freight planes, only two of them actually got to the circuit um, at the normal time. And I think that was basically for Alpine and Aston Martin. So it left practically almost everybody with a huge delay. Um, So much so that the, the teams had to lobby to the FIA and the stewards to allow them to bypass the curfew so that they could work overnight, which I believe they are doing 
as we speak and to try and make it uh, through in time to uh, FP1. So I suppose, guys, what that kind of means or what that says to us is that whilst F1 are quite ambitious with their extended calendars that they obviously want to propose for seasons to come, does this mean there's going to be even more scrutiny, in your opinion, towards the current calendar that we have and, you know, how they're going to be able to manage such a busy schedule um, from the logistics perspective? Uh, Lee, what do you think? Well, I, I think they were, first off, they were lucky that there wasn't further delays. <laughs> um, as I said before the show, could you imagine uh, what the Grand Prix would have been like if there was only two teams racing this weekend, which I, I think was a... Uh, We've been at Alpine and Aston Martin, they only had their stuff. Um, so I've been mean, Indianapolis 2006 all over again, I think it was, with the Bridgestone tyres and Michelin. Um, I'm not sure which teams were which, I can't remember, to be honest, but you just imagine they, the fraud that would have been if we had another mess up like that. Um, but I think the back to back is great, and I thoroughly enjoy it as a fan, I, as a obviously a member of the team. Um, that would be quite a stressful time shipping up and changing countries, especially across the continent. But I think it's going to be even worse next week. Is, uh, is it Qatar's next? Mm. Yeah, it's a strike. Yeah. You think moving hard, um, across um, the continent from Central America to South America and they struggle to do it in a week, shipping across the Atlantic Ocean, and, and you're, you're probably pushing the boat out a little bit. No pun intended with, uh, with the, the boat there. <laughs> Um, and then you also think of it at the same time, we've got the COP26 going on, environmental, um, more implication. The Formula One keep pushing their green credentials. Oh, we're going green. We're talking about new engines. We're going to uh, biofuels. Putting all the freight around and shipping it back and forth, back and forth. And maybe it's a question they should ask themselves. But at least that's my view. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you know, they're promoting this new image, this new branding, I suppose, that F1 are going to unveil this weekend, some that we've already seen, actually, uh, to try and promote greener, more sustainable uh, methods of transport, methods of racing, if you like, and what F1 want to kind of promote going forward. It does seem that, you know, a situation like we found ourselves in, um, not as, you know, not only has caused delays, but as I said, it does raise questions to how supportive is the current calendar proposals and ambitions going to be for Formula One going forward if they're chasing a sustainability uh, model. Courtney, you look like you wanted to weigh in there, hence why I was sort of looking yeah, um, over in your direction. First of all, yeah, first first of all, I'd just like to say that I'm pleased that you know the the, the you said how like Aston Martin and Alpine got they were the only ones that got their freight. Okay, I'm pleased that it wasn't only a Mercedes or Red Bull that got their freight because Jesus Christ, the conspiracy theories would be flying all over the place and I'll take a week off social media because I won't be asked of it. <laughs> but it would be, it, it'd be ridiculous. But I think we, we discussed this before, you know, I think when, when um, Miami was announced, we said, you know, there could be potentially be three races in America. I think Lee made a great point about, you know, you've got the world leaders making discussions about like the future of the planet and Formula One need to be an example with innovations and everything. And I think I remember before we went for it. Obviously, last season was very much restricted by COVID. But what I liked about the 2020 season is that you had sections of a season in one continent and then we moved on to another. I think that's what they, they really need to try their best to keep sections of the season in one continent as much as possible 
to limit in to obviously make Formula One as as green and sustainable as possible until they get their act together with the engines at least. Because yes, the engines are a great way of moving forward, but Formula One needs to be putting various things together for one big solution rather than, I don't know, sort of sugarcoating it and saying, oh, well, the engine's are sustainable. We need to make everything sustainable. You know, I'm not going to sort of beat the uh, the climate change drum too much, but I think it's clear that everyone, you know, every single one of us needs to, you know, take our part in improving how we live our everyday lives for the sake of the planet. And I think, like, Formula One is really is the pinnacle of innovation. You know, you've got some of the greatest minds, got some of the greatest minds out there. I'm sure between them, they can come up with solutions moving forward, but I'm sure the, the continent idea is the way to go, surely. Yeah, it seemed like something that they wanted to try for a while. And of course, then we had the pandemic and everything else was kind of, you know, made things a bit more difficult. It wasn't possible to sort of trial that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to address this situation. More, more so importantly as well, we shouldn't forget, um, quite recently they announced that a deal had been struck with the organisers for the Chinese Grand Prix for races to be held there up until 2025, 2026, something like that, which is weird because as far as I'm aware from the provisional calendar, there, there is no Chinese Grand Prix next season. So clearly there's going to be some reshuffling that will probably be done, um, maybe to include it on the calendar next year or perhaps beyond that. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I don't, maybe no one pointed out to F1 that there there isn't a Chinese Grand Prix next year. So, you know, maybe Liberty Media will look at the calendar and think, oh, crap, uh, we were meant to actually have one on and uh, we've announced the deal only for there not to be one. So, yeah, work needs to be done. Um, but uh, it was quite funny just to see all that and thinking there's a possibility that we may only have Alpine versus Aston Martin at the Brazilian Grand Prix, which, uh, considering what they did at Hungary, wouldn't exactly be the worst thing in the world. But, of course, we want to see everybody racing and competing. But as far as I'm aware, everyone's got all of their stuff now. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of the team that have been working so tirelessly all season, there's going to be a lot of uh, hefty night shifts going on to get everything ready for practice tomorrow. And of course, the sprint quali, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later oh. on. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, look, the, the second thing I wanted to talk about on this podcast uh, for this week's episode is... Um, Obviously, we, we, Courtney, you and I talked about the Mexican Grand Prix. We talked in detail about, obviously, Bottas's role in this championship battle. And the fact that, is that, you know, in terms of being a supporting character for his teammate, he pretty much didn't do that um, at all. And, you know, whilst I thought, look, you know, normally you would expect the teammate to kind of help out the number one driver, um, perhaps in terms of giving up a position or perhaps defending for them. Valtteri did neither of those things. If anything, it looked like he was trying to defend the lead off of Lewis rather than defending off of Max. But what I've seen uh, this week, and I've listened to quite a lot of podcasts, I've seen a lot of people express their opinions, and granted, a lot of them UK-based, meaning that a lot of them are going to be more in the pro-Lewis Hamilton camp than not. Not that that's a bad thing, of course. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But it felt to me that a lot of people were really attacking Valtteri Bottas purely and simply because he didn't do his job for Lewis Hamilton, uh, i.e. stop Max Verstappen. Now, I know he's a Mercedes driver, and I know his team. he would probably rather his teammate win the championship than a rival. I think that probably almost goes without saying, although that's been tested, I suppose, that theory this year. But what I don't accept is a lot of people 
knocking Bottas because he didn't help Lewis. Now, I say this for one reason and one reason only. Valtteri Bottas is not going to be a Mercedes driver next year. He's had a lot of pressure thrown at him over the last five or so years being in that car. And it comes with the territory, so that's not an excuse. But sometimes I feel like there is stuff that has been said about him over these years, whether it's been inside the team or outside the team or on podcasts, just like this one, where people have really been knocking him and really putting unnecessary pressure on him, saying that he's not good enough to be in that car. They should put George Russell in there. They should put Ocon in there. They should put someone else in there other than Valtteri Bottas. So... Forgive me for saying this, guys, but if Valtteri Bottas is not going to be in that team next year and he's got a contract, the security of a three-year deal with another team rather than worrying about where he's going to be next year, even though people aren't going to like it that he seemed to um, defend against Lewis more than he did against Max, well, I've got news for you guys. He can do whatever the hell he wants at this point because he's a Mercedes driver for a while and, of course, yeah, he want to win the Constructors' Championship, but I think in Valtteri's mind, the best way that he can do that is to just drive his own race. You know, when he gets pole position in Mexico, he's not trying to do a lap around the circuit thinking, all oh, right, I've got to make sure I don't beat Lewis this time so that he gets a free run into turn one or whatever. Um, and if Mercedes are giving him tactics to say, look, you've got to give Lewis a toe to give him a run at turn one, fair enough. But at the end of the day, guys, if Valtteri Bottas wants to race for himself and, you know, and do the best job he can for the Constructors' Championship, rather than worrying about, you know, supporting Lewis Hamilton, which normally you'd think he would, then quite frankly, he's more than entitled to do that. So I don't understand why there was so much slander thrown his way for the fact that, you know, because he didn't make one move that we probably agree he probably should have done to stop Max Verstappen, just to help Lewis, rather than it was what Mercedes wanted. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I just felt that. Um, that's my two cents on it. I, 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 I'm interested to know what you guys think about this because I thought it was quite unfair, some of the stuff that's been said about him. I think I think what you're saying, um, I do agree with most of what you're saying. Um, I think this season, you know, we've discussed this, me and you have discussed this, Adam, um, many a time throughout the season and obviously, you know, us two and yourself, Lee, we discussed this before we come on it. This season has been great. It's been a great battle. I think Mercedes have actually done quite a good job given that Red Bull have actually had the strongest car this year. Max has been on a different level. But the thing that's actually annoying me the most about this season is the fan base. And that's not just one set of fans, okay? I've made it clear that I'm a Lewis Hammond fan. Actually, I'm a huge Lewis Hammond fan and I have been since the beginning of his F1 career. But at the same time, I'm a Formula 1 fan. So I will give my opinions as a Lewis fan but also as a fan of the sport. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done this in the first place. But what we're seeing is it's become very emotional. Everyone's become very emotional this season, whether it be on Max's side, whether it be on Lewis's side. And it's like people get a bit carried away and they overanalyze everything. In my opinion, so this is me as a Formula 1 fan, okay? Valtteri Bottas, as a driver, could have done a better job defending against Max going around the left-hand side. But you know what? I would have said the same if it was Danny Ricciardo. I would have said the same if it was Kimi Raikkonen. I would have said the same even if it was Mazepin, for goodness sake. But I think where it goes wrong is that people almost go into the conspiracy theory over every little thing this season. So, Valtteri Bottas did that on purpose. Valtteri Bottas doesn't give a shit. Let's calm down, okay? Look, we love motor racing, and I love to see passion in this sport, okay? Because we need more of it. But I think we need to turn everything into conspiracy, you make everything personal. You know, you look at the sword, the abuse that Sonoda got, just for, like, making a, a slight error. 
in that last qualifying run. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the season for what it's been. It's been a great season. So I fully back what you're saying here, Adam, okay, with the, the abuse that Valtteri Bottas has got. But I just think, look, it's great to get into the sport, but let's stop making things personal because that's the way it's gone this season and I don't like it. Mm. Well, it's an interesting topic on comments, which we'll get into in a minute. But I, I personally, as I said, I, I just think at this point, Valtteri is driving for himself. I think ever yeah. since he signed that deal with Alfa Romeo, he has pretty much driven for himself. He certainly didn't stop Verstappen in Sochi. Um, there was not much he could have done about Max in other races. Turkey, he drove his own race. It was a st- brilliant performance from Bottas. Um, you know, so I, I, as I said, it, whilst it was a bit of a surprise um, to see him not try and defend against Max Verstappen, um, I, I just think Valtteri's not really interested in the Drivers' Championship now. I think he's just doing his own thing. Yeah, it was the mistake he made, probably breaking a bit too hard into Turn 1 that caused Ricardo to go into the back of him, and he wrecked his own race like that. But that's Valtteri's prerogative. You know, if Valtteri Bottas really, really needed and really wanted to help Lewis Hamilton win the championship as much as some people think he should, I'm pretty sure Valtteri would have gone over to the left and stopped Max first of all. But... You know, you, you only Valtteri really knows. And I think after so long of all of this stuff weighing down him and everything that's been said about him, even by his own team, you know, the, the Toto with the wingman comment, um, some, of the to- some of the comments we heard from Toto and Lewis Hamilton respectively about Bottas after the race when obviously they weren't happy with what happened. You know, over a, after a while, as a driver, you're just not going to take it. You think, you know what, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I do, drive my own race. We win the constructors, fantastic, that's what I want. Um, and then I'll just go to my new team and just build bridges there. That's that's kind of it now. Sorry, guys, but that is... And I have no problem with that absolutely at all. Um, you know, would it be the same thing if Sergio Perez was losing his seat at Red Bull and he just wanted to drive for himself? You know, everyone was quick to say, oh, um, if Perez is told to give up the race for Verstappen, it's a travesty. But then everyone's quickly knocking Bottas because he didn't try and stop Verstappen to give Lewis an easy ride. So w- w- what do you want? Um, Lee... Obviously, we didn't get a chance to have your comments on the incident at the weekend's race. Um, what did you make of that incident? And in addition to what we've been saying, do you think Bottas should or was right to not try and stop Verstappen? Or do you think, you know, whilst he's still in that team, he should be trying to help Lewis as much as he can to win the championship? Uh, well, in, in regards to the incident, I, I probably uh, do agree with the corny sentiment that he probably could have defended Max more if he wanted to. He clearly was didn't want to. He, but he, he as a as a, a team sport, he probably should have gone uh, further to the, the left to block Max. Um, but coming back to what you both mentioned, I probably agree with both of you that it's Bottas doesn't deserve the the bashing he's had. Um, you, you if you humanise it and not look at it just from a sporting element, if you find a new job and you have to give in your month's notice. You're going to try your your hardest. You're going to follow every request from your manager or your boss to do that. No, you're going to take it easy. You're going to have fun. You're going to be with your work friends that you have friends, and then you leave. Bottas in a similar moment, all right, he's got a longer notice than one month, but he just wants to have fun racing. He's out of the championship. He does what he wants to do. He wants to do his own race. Screw Lewis. Screw Max. I'm going to get my pole position. I'm going to get a win if I can. If we can get the constructors, great, because that just feels good. To, or at least I win a championship of sorts. Um, but it, it's not my problem if Lewis doesn't win it or not. Um, and that's just humanising the whole the whole element of Bottas is leaving his job. 
to go to a new job. That's saying he um, he didn't do his bit for Lewis. It's uh, I, I think it's disrespectful because he he's still what considered one of the best racing drivers in the world. Um, so it's I think it's completely uncalled for. Um, and on the the what uh, Courtney was saying about the emotion, it's it, I think it's a bit of just a reaction of because. Some, especially the Red Bull fans or people who are anti-Mercedes have just put everything into Red Bull beating Mercedes finally. And then obviously the Lewis fans are like, they're seeing, now starting to see the, the championship maybe slipping away from Lewis towards Max and Red Bull. Um, but if there's a truly a conspiracy, Bottas would have just uh, locked up and driven into Max as he turned the corner. There you go, take, taking your championship rival out and Lewis goes on to win the race. That's a conspiracy if it was <laughs> obviously planned, but uh, that didn't happen. And so just, uh, yeah, I just think it's completely uh, over the top reaction. Mm. I, I, I think so too. I, like I said, a lot of things have been said this week, uh, last weekend, not just from Mercedes as well. Red Bull, you know, they oh, they put their own feet in their mouth for senior management. I mean, they really, really do sometimes. Um, it's not the, for the first time this season, though. No, no, I think no. That's been a problem. Mm. That's been a problem. You know what? We've all enjoyed the back and forth between Christian Orner and Toto Wolf. But like, there have been times this season where it's really overstepped. Like, I look at Silverstone, for example. You know, there was talks of, like, Lewis. Oh, apparently, Lewis was celebrating Max being in hospital. It's rhetoric like that, which I find dangerous because it's, it's an attack on the character. I just think that, you know, I understand these guys are winners. They want to be number one. They've been going through their careers for years in order to be champions. I understand that and I respect that. But they go over the, they, they've, they've been times where it's gone too far. And look, Toto Wolf has been in the suit, but I've seen it more so with Christian Horner, where, where it becomes, we've seen attack on a driver's character. And that's what encourages, that's what soaks the flames for these people online. Look, I understand the online world is different to the real world, but they understand these guys are role models and their words have consequences. And I think Christian Horner in particular has been awful at times this season. Absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, I hope it doesn't taint if Max Verstappen does win this championship. I really hope it doesn't taint his success because quite frankly, other than, you know, other than one or two things this season where he's had a moan about something, no more than what Lewis has done um, or anyone else for that matter. I think he's been phenomenal this season, Max Verstappen. And he's been more matured than his yeah, management. Yeah. This I, is what I want to stress. And I think that's a big part this season as why he's been so good. I mean, look, with, with all due respect, we know Red Bull have, the, have had the best car at more circuits this season than not. Um, Mercedes have had their day, but this has been very much a season that Max Verstappen has dominated for the most part um, and could be on the verge of sealing a, a championship, which, you know, that, that of epic proportions in the way he's had to do it. Um, it, it also goes to show that the testament of character in Mercedes to never really give up, especially with Lewis Hamilton in a season where he's been bested by another driver in superior machinery for most of the season. And yet he's still there. He's still in the fight. Um, so whichever way it goes down, I just really hope it doesn't get ruined by stuff that's said off track, which really doesn't matter. I mean, quick example, after the Mexican race, Lewis was making comments about Checo Perez. And I think I've got them here, if you don't mind me just quickly reading them through. Um, I'll skip a lot of it just for the context sake of it. But he went to say, and there was nothing I could do to battle that, talking about the Red Bull pace. Um, and when you've yeah. got Checo on your tail, you know their car is quick. 
And then he just goes on to say, it just shows how fast their car was when Sergio was that close behind me and able to follow so closely. He did a great job, so he was applying that pressure and kept going, but I really enjoyed the race still. Now, when Lewis said that on live TV, there was a lot of Mexican fans that weren't quite happy with what he said. Uh, and a lot of people at home actually said, felt the same way. And they obviously thought that Hamilton was basically saying, well, the only reason Perez was right behind me was because the car was half a second a lap quicker than me. Um, in, in other words, he's not that good. To be fair, first of all, that's not what Lewis meant. I think anyone who read into those comments, we've actually read through it a few times to understand what Lewis meant. It was clear that he was talking about the fact that they could follow so closely. On a track like Mexico, we saw how difficult it was to do that, hence why it was so difficult to overtake. But yet Checo, in his superior car, was able to do that. And in fairness to Lewis Hamilton, um, not a dig at Checo, but Checo's not really been battling Lewis very often this season. He's been, you know, he's been battling the Ferraris, the McLarens, uh, Bottas on occasion, um, and the Alpha Tauris. There's not been many times this season where he's been fighting Lewis. So in a way, if you want to take it the way that most people took it, Lewis wasn't exactly wrong in that regard. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that people are just taking so much out of what yep. people are saying in these comments and they're just creating all kinds of context, whether you're Horner, or I mean, obviously Christian Horner does it to himself anyway, so it's not like, you know, we can defend that. Um, and, you know, and, and, and Perez, after what was said about him and Bottas and everything else, it just becomes a bit of a mess. Quite frankly, I honestly don't care half the time about some of the stuff that's being said. I just want to go and see them put on a great show and race each other because at the end of the day, it's live sport. Everyone's going to get heated in the moment and... All right, there are some comments that go too far and, you know, shouldn't be said, like the Sonoda comment and everything else. That was obviously too far. Um, but people just trying to pick everything apart. It's just stupid now. See, this is the thing. that That's why, you know what? The last title battle that I'll say I really, really, like, properly enjoyed is probably... I love 2008 and also love uh, 2012 because we, we wasn't really straight into that social media age where you know what you saw you saw the like the, the flames on track you know we saw it like with 2013 with um Weber and Vettel multi 21 and all that you'd, you'd have your debate sort of face to face but you didn't have all these people communicating and soaking up flames and this is it and this, this is the two issues obviously the online thing and then some of the rhetoric that has come from Christian Orna I think the comments made in Silverstone, they were black and white. I don't think they're really open to debate. In the moment, heat of the moment, of course. But it's the it's the two it's, it's the rhetoric from the management of the drivers actually more than the drivers themselves. And then this age that we're living in, where everyone's so sensitive and everyone overanalyzes every little thing that everyone says. And I think it just tanks. You know, as fans, I think all three of us can agree on this. We enjoyed the racing. We are here to watch racing. I think people get caught up too much in the characters and the story plot. And actually kind of takes away from what Formula 1 is really about. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it makes me glad that I'm a neutral as far as the championship goes this season. It really does. I can just take a back seat and just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, a championship battle for the ages between two of the best drivers Formula 1 has ever had um, mm. in some respects. Um, but look, let's move on to the actual race itself. Um, of course, now the gap, 19 points between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. So it's a huge, huge chunk of points. But of course, one race, one mistake from Verstappen, or one bit of bad luck, Lewis gets the win. All of a sudden, the championship turns on its head. And we're going to a circuit that 
um, in the past has actually been quite kind to Red Bull when they've not had the best car, but the car has obviously, its strengths have been um, amplified, if you like, at this circuit. And obviously the strengths of other cars like the Mercedes have been diminished. Are we expecting something similar this weekend? Are we going to go into this Grand Prix thinking that we've got four races to go, four cup finals, if you like, for uh, Mercedes, boring uh, a pun from the Missed Apex podcast, you know, great stuff that they do on there. But does it feel like it, um, it could potentially be like four cup finals for Hamilton and Mercedes? Or do you feel that uh, for Max Verstappen, if he's able to land one huge blow like he did in Mexico this weekend, the championship could be all but over? I don't think it's quite over for two reasons. I think, first of all, we all know that, that uh, the track in Brazil has a microclimate. You know, we've seen it famously. So many races have been messed up. So many strategies have been messed up by the changing conditions in Brazil. So, look, on a dry track, I think Red Bull have this. But interestingly, Mercedes are quite confident they're going to have a strong package in the last three races in comparison to the last three races that we've had. In my opinion, I think Lewis is going to have to win three of the last four races in order to get back in the championship. I mean, they must speak for themselves. But look, in Formula 1, things can change just like that. We've seen it happen so many times. But Brazil, I never make a prediction for Brazil. Look, obviously, we're going to have to. But Brazil is one of the races that I hate to make predictions for because it's, it's a chaotic race. It's one of those races. Right? Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is always chaotic. So is Brazil. Brazil is in that category for me, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of 2016 in a way where we all had a similar number of races to go. And then, of course, Malaysia happened, which gave Rosberg that cushion he needed to basically come second in the remaining three races, which he ultimately did to win the World Championship. And it has that feel this weekend that whilst Red Bull arguably going there as the favourites once again this season, as they have done at quite a few circuits this year, it does feel to me that with all due respect to Hamilton and Mercedes, and quite frankly, there's no more competitive and more daunting opposition in a situation Max Verstappen finds himself in than Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. There really isn't. Um, It just feels to me that with the reliability that Red Bull have enjoyed compared to Mercedes, who, again, may have to take an engine penalty for Hamilton. We'll have to wait and see. There have been some people believe it may happen this weekend, which will really dent Lewis's title chances if that is the case. But at the same time, it just feels that if Max Verstappen and Red Bull put together another performance that we saw at the Mexican Grand Prix, all of a sudden the situation changes and Max has that one race cushion in his pocket um, that he can use to come second three times in the next three races uh, to secure the championship. Of course, we've got the sprint race as well. We can't forget as well. That could be a few extra points, which again could prove to be vital. Lee, I'm going to come to you because we haven't come to you for a little bit on this show yet. Um... What are you thinking this weekend? Is this a make or break weekend for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes in terms of um, having the championship in their own hands? Um, I, I, I would uh, agree, sir. I think it's it's definitely more make and break for um, Lewis and Mercedes than Max and Red Bull. Um, if Lewis wins this, it's, it's nothing off of Max's nose unless Max obviously gets a DNF and has a terrible race or something. He can, be, he can afford to uh, come back and fight in their remaining races afterwards. Lewis and Mercedes, on the other hand, it would be more helpful for them if they could win. It would be more helpful if they could get pole or win the sprint race, whatever the terminology is. Um, 
not sure how to still uh, do the sprint race bit. But if whoever gets the three points for finishing the sprint race, it will help Lewis more than Max. Um, so that is going to be another dynamic, and obviously, you got you have the other two sprint races, and both times Lewis and Max crash. So in the race, I mean, not in the sprint race itself. Um, so it will be uh, definitely an interesting um, scenario that Lewis and Mercedes have to go through because they, they can't afford Lewis to have another DNF or an incident uh, where Max can, for the most part, afford uh, not obviously a DNF, but the pressure is off compared to uh, Lewis. No, it's not off, but if you understand what I mean, um, there's more pressure on Lewis at this moment. Yeah, no, that's all f- a fair point. Um, it, it's quite interesting. We talk about pressure a lot. And as I said, one sh- amazing quality I think I've seen from Max Verstappen this season is that no matter what situation he's found himself in or what pressure it might feel that he's under, bear in mind we're talking about a guy that's never won a world championship in single-seater cars racing. So, you know, he's going for the biggest one of them all. So you'd think naturally um, that, you know, the pressure would you'd be felt or at least there'd be signs that you, he could feel the pressure but quite frankly it's been quite the opposite you would think Max Verstappen was the seven-time world champion won over 100 Grand Prix and just as many pole positions but quite frankly that's not been the case at all um not that Lewis has felt any pressure you know I mean there have been cases I think that Lewis has felt the pressure from Max this season because of how good Max has been and how flawless Lewis has to be and when Lewis is less than perfect it's quite easy to see compared to how it's been in previous seasons. Um, you know, the, just the nature of how difficult it's been for them this year, I suppose. So with all that being said, um, you know, we, we've got the potential for an engine penalty for Lewis if that does happen. Red Bull obviously think they've got the best car. Mercedes seem to think they've got a car that might be capable this weekend. Um, if I had to put you on the spot, guys, how do you think it's going to go down? Do you think that it's going to be another win for Max Verstappen? Or do you think that this could be a weekend where... Lewis and Mercedes land a crucial counterpunch and perhaps set the road towards winning another championship. As I said before, I think dry conditions, Red Bull will have it. Um, but yeah, this this, this circuit, this circuit, psychotic one. I don't. It's not. It's not a straightforward circuit. So yeah, you know what? If it was a normal, if it was just like a normal race weekend, I say yes, Red Bull. But yeah, I think I think Brazil always throws a spanner in the works. And uh, what about you, Lee? What are you thinking for this weekend? Well, if you asked me yesterday, I would have probably said Fernando Alonso and the Alpine. Um, but obviously, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's changed. Um, now, I, I would agree with Courtney. It's the, the the climate has a big impact. I mean, I haven't actually checked the forecast for this weekend, which I normally do um, for a race. But even if it says it's going to be drier, it doesn't mean anything in the in that sense. So in the drier, I, I reckon Red Bull would have it. Um, but I reckon it's going to be it's going to be a chaotic race. Um, obviously, I'm not saying anyone's going to crash into anyone. But if you want your conspiracy theories, you just um, get Barrow Street to crash into Max. There you go. That solves Lewis's problem. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, if Valtteri Bottas goes into Lewis by accident or something like that, oh then God, everything, you know. everything that I've just said in the first 20 oh. minutes of this podcast goes right out the window and that everyone who who has been saying that Valtteri Bottas wants Max to win more than Lewis can just reply in the comments and say, oh, you're a fraud. See, we told you. 
you know, what do you know about Formula One? So, um, yeah, reputations are on the li- uh, line very much this weekend. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you both. I-, I think Red Bull and Max Verstappen have to go there as the favourites. I don't think it's going to be as red hot as it was in Mexico. I think that was no. a, a circuit that just amplifies Red Bull's strengths to the max and, you know, mitigates Mercedes' strengths as well in equal measure. Um, that's why we saw the Red Bull turn up with a lot of, uh, you know, unique parts, if you like, to their car for that weekend. And Mercedes just turned up with what they normally have. But of course, um, you know, that's why Red Bull were having the wing issues. They had to bring unique versions of what they had to that track to maximise their strengths. Mercedes just turned up with what they had. And obviously it affected them on a cooling level. That's why Lewis was getting that on the radio, saying that it was like really hot in the car and everything else, because their um, air intakes, were, they didn't increase their air intake because of the high altitude to kind of compensate that, whereas Red Bull did. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, as I said, I, I think Max is going to be the favourite. I think Lewis will probably come second. I think that's the best job that he can do. Yeah. Probably Perez yeah. in P3. Um, and, and and probably the same for both races, I think. Uh, as good a qualifier as Valtteri is, I think Perez in that Red Bull will be able to get him that weekend. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm not really going to focus on the sprint race too much to quite to be honest I'm not I mean of course I'm going to enjoy it I'm not exactly thrilled or massively looking forward to it but because it can play a part in the championship that's always going to be where the intrigue is and um, half the teams may only have half their parts to you so it might be quite an interesting uh, sprint qualifying we'll have to wait and see um, let's move on to Ferrari McLaren um, you know the tail of the season has often been where it's gone back and forth between these two teams um, one race McLaren looked like they're going to be the better than the Ferrari. Another week, Ferrari looked like they're going to be better than McLaren. We've now come to a point in the season where it's still relatively close between them. I think like 12, 13 points in the Constructors' Championship. But Ferrari have really stolen the march. Ever since Monza, with all due respect, Ferrari have really been able to push forward with their new upgraded power unit with the, as far as the electrical parts go. And they've really took advantage of that. Mon- uh, Mexico was another strong weekend for Ferrari. Okay, they didn't beat Gasly. But bigger picture, five and six against McLaren that only scored one point. That's a huge swing. So we're going to a circuit now. Again, probably one that might um, suit Ferrari better than McLaren. So another big opportunity for them to score some more points and increase that advantage even further. Um, Are we we already past the point in your your guys' opinion where McLaren are going to be going to circuits where they might fancy beating Ferrari? Or do you feel that there's still life in this championship for them? Because... I mean, maybe this is the Ferrari bias coming out, but other than perhaps uh, Abu Dhabi and Jeddah, I think Ferrari are really going to fancy their chances this weekend and also possibly at Qatar as well. Um, what do you think, Lee? Um, I, I think for this weekend, the Ferrari will probably be the better car um, than the McLaren. Um, so they are definitely fancy their chances. The... I think the Mercedes power, um, engine will probably suit McLaren for the remaining races compared to the Ferrari, especially the straight line speed that um, McLaren has, because it's, it has one of the, I'm not sure it's the top straight line speed, but it's definitely up there with one of the best straight line speeds on the grid. Um, which, as you said, Abu Dhabi and Jeddah with the their long straights, so that's going to be quite helpful. But Ferrari have definitely come... This season has come to Ferrari, especially how it started. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a, definitely an interesting watch. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying that battle um, quite quite a lot. So yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, it will be quite interesting. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about 
the impact of the drivers and how impressive Carlos Sainz has been this season. I mean, he scored points, I think, in 11 successive races, which I think is the longest run of any driver um, at any point this season. So, you know, congratulations to him on that. It, it just goes to show that whilst a lot of people were expecting Ferrari to rely on Leclerc, Sainz has really stepped up this season and has probably proven to be quite a huge catalyst for their forward momentum, especially when we're talking about a guy who is competing in the same team against a driver that's been given more of a vote of confidence with the contract he received a few years back than even Michael Schumacher. So it just shows how much that Ferrari values Charles Leclerc. So it's great for them to have signs on board the way he is. Um, I mean, Lee, would you argue that that could pre- uh, prove to be the pivotal factor in this championship? Because with all respect to Daniel Ricciardo, um, McLaren's charge has mostly been led by his teammate Lando Norris, with the exception of Monza, of course. Yeah, and... Um... I, I, I do agree. I think Carlos has made a big difference to Ferrari. He may not have the pure speed of uh, Charles Leclerc, but like I said, I think it was at Monzo, the Monzo, Monzo, get, get the right name right. Monzo um, Bank, Monzo Circuit. Um, but they won the fallouts uh, at Monzo was, yeah, apparently came out that Ferrari were using um, Carlos Sainz feedback on how to set the car up over Charles and then the development route. Which obviously for a long-term contract that Charles is on, is not very uh, reassuring when you're supposed to be the team leader. Um, and so I think Carlos is really pushing the that Ferrari team development wires and the setup. Uh, you, you think about his career, how many teams he's been in, and he, in all right, he's not a short career now, and he's still quite young in um, twenty-six, I think Carlos. Yeah, twenty-six, um, twenty-seven. Yeah, but he, he's been in, this is his fourth team uh, in the seven, eight years he's been in the sport, which is more is most more than most drivers on the grid, probably apart from Alonso and Raikkonen, um, when you uh, think about it. So he, he's really pushed that and he's took, he didn't take long to catch up the speed. With McLaren, as you said, um, it's all been Lando and unfortunately Lando hasn't had as many good results as he did in the earlier season. Daniel still doesn't seem to be fully at home in that car. You have races where he's like, oh, yeah, he's back, he's back. And no, no, next race he's not. And it's, he just can't get fully comfortable, uh, at least uh, how I see it. Yeah, no, it's very, very true. And um, I, I, as I said, I, I just think Ferrari, perhaps, maybe they themselves didn't realise what kind of driver they were signing in Carlos signed. And now they're starting to realise, actually, this guy is proving to be quite something special. I mean... A lot of people been saying this season Ferrari had the strongest driver lineup in terms of raw talent and everything that comes with that. And, and you know, initially I didn't agree with that, but I'm starting to see why. Um, you know, so it's going to be quite interesting going forward if Ferrari have a car next year capable of winning the World Championship, how that inter-team rivalry is going to go down between Leclerc and Sainz. I think a lot more, I think people are making a lot more of it than there actually is. Um, I think it's quite a harmonious relationship and I think it worked quite well in Mexico. I mean, honestly, people were saying, oh, Ferrari messed up with Leclerc and Sainz. They pitted Leclerc really early in that race, so that kind of messed that strategy up. With Sainz, I think they should have let him overtake Leclerc a lot sooner so that he could get at Gasly and then it just didn't happen. But, you know, it's kind of a nice problem for them to have and it's not really got to the point where they're boiling over or causing each other problems. Um, because if they were, they wouldn't be third in the Constructors' Championship right now. So quite interesting take on that at the moment. Um, Courtney, 
Where are your thoughts on this one this weekend between Ferrari and McLaren? Do you feel that Ferrari have got the advantage and are just going to keep pressing on with that? Or do you feel there's some life left in McLaren in this championship? Because right now, McLaren definitely need to step it up and step it up soon because they're running out of time. I think if McLaren are to get anywhere close to beating Ferrari, they really need Lando Norris to get back to his previous form. Um, you know, I've stated it a few times. I don't think the lad has been the same since that disappointment in Sochi. Obviously, the relative performance of the cars, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a well-known thing. Obviously, if the car's performing better than your drivers are. But I just think throughout the course of the season, I think Ferrari as a team, with the driver pairing that they have, they've been a lot more consistent. Whereas, whereas Lando has been carrying Dan Ricciardo. No disrespect to the guy. We all know how good Daniel can be. But over the course of the season, the points show that Lando Norris has been carrying the team. So McLaren need Lando to get back to where he was at the beginning of the season if they have any chance of beating Ferrari right now. Yeah, and, um, you know, on the Lando Norris front, I think that's an important point because, I mean, how did you guys rate, rate his drive over the weekend? Because, obviously, he was hampered by the fact he had to start at the back because of the issues with the car and the engine, etc. But I actually thought he drove rather well, all things considered. It was a difficult track to overtake on, so to get from the back of the field... Um, all the way up into the top 10 where his teammates struggled because of what happened to him at the beginning of the race, which he played a part in, obviously, to his own doing. So, um, I mean, with that in mind, I think Lando could be set to have a good weekend. I think the confidence is starting to come back. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel... How how did you rate his weekend last weekend? Uh, he, He did okay. But I think it's tough to tell when the car was struggling the way it was. So I'm not going to give him too much grief for last weekend, but I'm talking the, the previous races from Sochi onwards. So let's just hope that he does get back. Because look, we all love to see Lando do well. Let's be honest. I think you have your favorite. You have your favorite driver, and then Daniel or Lando usually follow. Everyone has a soft spot for Lando. Yeah. And rightly so. He's a very likable character and an excellent driver. And as I said, it's in these moments where form is not so great, where the real top stars perform. And perhaps that's something Lando Norris is still yet to uh, master. Not that there are many things in F1 that he hasn't already. But um, Lee, where are your thoughts on Lando Norris? Do you feel that he's close to his form at the start of the season in terms of his ability? Or do you feel that perhaps he's still trying to shake off that hangover uh, from the disappointment in Sochi? I, I, if you look at the results, I would I reckon that Lando is probably still suffering a little bit from the incident at Sochi. Um, it may be, obviously, the car specific hasn't helped. So it's not obviously all, it's not, I'm not blaming Lando for where he's finished. But what Lando really needs is just a, a good race. The car works and it's not having any issues. Like in, in uh, Mexico, the the circuit um, did not treat that McLaren very well, or McLaren didn't like that circuit, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, he just needs a, where the car just works, dials in, and then Lando's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is fun again. This is, and, and, but obviously Lando won't want any rain, um, which in Brazil we can't promise. <laughs> You're not going to get any rain. So, um, yeah, it, uh, he just needs to have a good race. That's all he needs. Um, and I think he w- he'll be back um, in harmony with the car. 
Yeah, there's certainly hope so for their sake, at least. Anyway, we want them to fight into the end of the season in the championship, and we don't want Ferrari to run away with it. I mean, maybe I do a little bit, but um, obviously we want to see a great battle between these two because they have served up a treat for us this season. Um, there's only, with all respect to the other teams, there's only really one other battle going on this season at the moment. So I'm not really going to look too much into Aston Martin, um, Haas, Williams, and Alfa Romeo, if that's okay. I'm going to kind of just skip over that. I mm. will, however, now that I've mentioned Aston Martin quickly, obviously there have been news and rumours going around about Otmar Zafner's future. Um and that he is going to be taken over from Davide Brio, uh, Brivio in Alpine as their new team principal. Um, at the moment, it's just rumours, but a lot of sources are saying the same thing. So, um, yeah, what a coup that would be for Alpine if they were to get Otmar Zafner, who's been very much instrumental of the rise of Force India and, of course, what is now Aston Martin. Um, what would you make of that news if that was to come true, guys? Uh... It wouldn't surprise me if there's some irritation at Aston Martin with the uh, with the ownership and the situation surrounding Lance Stroll. I think that that could be a situation that could fester and actually worsen if Aston Martin. If there are people in Aston Martin that believe they should they could get a potentially a better driver than Lance Stroll alongside Sebastian Vettel. That's if Sebastian Vettel stays in the sport for long enough. You know, nothing, nothing too much against Lance Stroll. I'll be honest; I don't rate him massively. I think he's a he's a solid midfield level driver. But if Aston Martin want to be going for you know going for championships the way that they speak of, they're going to have to go for a drivers of the next level. And I'm sure there are people inside the team that believe that. But it's awkward when one of the drivers is obviously the manager's son. And maybe there's just, this could be, look, I'm, I'm jumping to conclusions here massively, but there could be examples of unhappiness within the team going forward based on the ambitions they have. Yeah, it could well be. I mean, it's quite important this because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I think Aston Martin have been trying to portray to us, despite having a difficult year this year, that the long-term goal and the long-term project is, you know, where the priorities are. Um, the next four or five years, that critical phase where Aston Martin transforms from a team that gets the best value for money out of what they have to becoming a real powerhouse in Formula One. And that's going to take time to build, which means the question remains, is the current personnel in charge um, capable of seeing that project through? As much as I'd like to say yes, given from what we've heard from Otmar Zafner, what we've heard in the news lately about his future, part of me would feel like perhaps that's not the case, or perhaps senior figures like Lawrence Stroll don't necessarily see it that way. Um, they've drafted in a lot of people um, quite recently, a lot of people from Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, other teams, etc. They're experts to try and pull together a cohort of brilliant people to try and take this team forward to the next level. One of which, of course, is Martin Whitmarsh. Uh, the former team principal at McLaren, um, someone who was very much instrumental in their success um, for many years and has been at Aston Martin quite a lot this season, although in a capacity that has not really seen him at the circuit much. And he's a person, he's a name that I've seen thrown about as a potential replacement for Otmar Zafner. So perhaps there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, which has made it quite frictitious and difficult for Otmar to kind of carry on where he's left off and perhaps forced him to seek pastures elsewhere at a project like Alpine. Um, Lee, if that was to all unfold, um, how do you think Martin Whitmarsh would be the right person to step in and take over from Otmar Zafner and take them forward? Or do you feel that they'd be making a mistake to let Otmar Zafner go to Alpine? Um, 
I think they, I agree with the sentiment of what you both said. Um, that with Otmar going, he's he's solidly managed for Cindia um, Racing Point um, as a, a solid midfield team that went above its weight in in its budget. So he has all these skills at doing a good midfield team. But with Lawrence, maybe he's he's fed up that. And they're obviously the rule change at the beginning of the year has put um, Aston Martin back compared to where they were last year, being the obviously the green Mercedes. Or pink Mercedes, not the green Mercedes, get it right. The pink Mercedes. Um, and he's put that frustration towards Otmar. And maybe you think Otmar doesn't have the experience of being a championship fighting um, team principal. So he wants someone with a bit more experience. So there may be some frustrations boiling there. And obviously, as Courtney said with Lance, I mean, I don't rate Lance massively. Um, I still consider him a pay driver. Um, you know, admittedly, he's a pay driver driving for a sport that his father's paid for. So you can't get more pay driver than that, in my opinion. Um, but so there may be some um, resentment on Otmar's side on that, that we could do being better if we had a better driver pairing. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if Omar does go. Martin Whitmarsh, on the other hand, I he was he was good at McLaren, but I didn't rate him very highly as the team principal at McLaren. That he's when he was leading the team. Um, I, I don't mean it's offensively, but it probably would come across as that. So I do apologise to anyone that it was a bit, a bit of a wet blanket in his approach. He got in the McLaren days. Ron Dennis who ruled with an iron fist, and Mike Whitmarsh. Was, was very opposite of Ron Dennis. Um, and obviously everyone has their own management styles. But I, did, I didn't rate him that highly. I think they're probably better finding someone else um, to, to lead the team through championship rivals. So you look at McLaren, um, Andrew Seidel, outside of Formula One, but he has experience of leading teams fighting for championships from other motorsport categories. I think that's probably a better... Shout um, for she Martin Whitmarsh, um, who didn't actually lead McLaren to um, their last championship, and that that was Ron Dennis, um, I believe. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, there, guys. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying to sort of. Um, kind of Why well, I do agree with you in, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Alpine tried to do something similar to McLaren in bringing in uh, Davide Brivio. Uh, from MotoGP, obviously very, very successful there. Um, it seems like Davide probably is going to try and go back there from what I've heard. So, you know, with Otmar potentially coming in and Martin Whitmarsh going up, I mean, I, again, it's all speculation, but um, it's just part of that merry-go-round of Formula One where loads of people are just moving around to different teams and it will either work or it doesn't and we'll just keep repeating the process until they get the success. But, you know, there's definitely stuff going on behind the scenes, so just keep an eye on that one. But on the subject of Alpine, of course a team that is really in dire straits. They have been struggling for quite a while now. And, um, you know, Fernando Alonso managed to get a couple of points from the Mexican Grand Prix, but they've only scored a few points in the last couple few races, whereas uh, Pierre Gasly particularly, um, and of course Yuki Tsunoda to a degree as well for Alpha Tauri, have been absolutely immense to the point where now Alpha Tauri are, I think, are they level with uh, Alpine in the... Um, yeah, they are. They're practic- well, they're in the fight for fifth place, let's put it that way. Um, and it seems right now that Alpha Tauri very much have the advantage over the two teams. Um, Pierre Gasly has gone really well in Brazil the last couple of years. Obviously, he, know, he got that podium 
um, in 2019 when he had that run drag race to the line with Lewis Hamilton. Um, and, you know, he was strong there the year before that as well. So um, it does seem that it could be another weekend where we see Pierre Casley put on a bit of a masterclass for Alpha Tower, much to Alpine's detriment. Um, Lee, how do you see that battle going down between them two teams? Do you think it's going to be another Gasly masterclass or do you think Fernando Alonso is finally going to snap out of his sort of um, end-of-season funk and get back into this fight because Alpine really need him on top of his game? Um, I, as much as I like Fernando Alonso as a driver, uh, I do. I think Pierre Gasly is he's just on form at the moment. Um, it, outside of Lewis Max, and you could argue in some cases, not even Lewis, um, Pierre has just been on form for most of the season. And it's uh, it's it's just a priority. The uh, Red Bull weren't keen to have him back, but. He's doing wonders in that Alpha Tari, and I fully expect him to be doing the wonders this weekend. So, uh, what about you, Courtney? Where's your head at with this battle between Alpha Tari and Alpine? I think, you know, I was talking about Lando Norris making a difference for the, the McLaren Ferrari battle. I think Gasly will be the guy that wins this battle. I think, you know, as you said, Alpine have been struggling for form lately. Fernando Alonso's had a bit of a dip in form, whereas Pierre Gasly's been on a different level compared to most of the drivers on the grid this season. And the Alpha Tauri, usually you see tracks at Red Bull do well. Alpha Tauri usually up there too. So, you know, we expect Red Bull to be up there. So why won't Alpha Tauri? So I think if Pierre Gasly gets a good result on the ball this weekend, I reckon the initiative will fully be with Alpha Tauri. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, to be honest, I think Alpha Tauri and Gasly have hit top form at the right time. I mean, it's, it's been a good car this year. They have had they have had a good car. It's just some weekends we've just not seen it earlier in the season. They were just so underwhelming after how impressive they looked in pre-season testing. Now it's all sort of starting to come together. And, and the last three or four races, since I think it was since Sochi, AlphaTauri have just really turned it on. And you could argue by the same degree that Alpine have completely fallen off, quite literally. Um... So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Sonoda, another opportunity for him to just put behind everything that was said and just get on with it because um, he has improved um, and he has been getting better the last couple of races. So hopefully he can continue that. And for Esteban Ocon, he's got to do the same. You know, a lot of talk has been on Fernando Alonso, but Ocon has got to up his game as well. No doubt a lot of people will be making the same jokes with Ocon this weekend as we return to the scene a few years back when he... Uh, infamously tried to overtake and unlap himself with Max Verstappen at turn two and made an absolute mess of it. Um, I'm pretty sure there'll be some Lewis Hamilton fans out there, Mercedes fans, that will be very much hoping he might have a bit of a repeat performance in him. But, um, of course, let's not stir the pot anymore and try and make things worse in terms of the backlash as they already could be. Um, Guys, I'm going to ask for a bold prediction. Have we got any bold predictions for this weekend? Uh, Courtney, you look like you might have one on you. Yes, you know how we usually do a top three prediction? Okay, I want to tie the bold prediction in with the top three prediction, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah? So, I reckon Lewis, um, Max is going to win. Lewis second. Gasly third. Yeah, I think that's not a bad one, actually. I, I like that. Um, I mean, I, I did say earlier in the episode of Paul Perez, my comfort. I actually said on a podcast I recorded earlier in the week that I was backing Gasly for P3. So I'm going to agree with that one. I think that's a good shout. Uh, Lee, any bold, crazy predictions you might have for this weekend? 
I mean, firstly, I, I do like Courtney's um, suggestion. Um, but my bold prediction is engine penalties. I reckon it's going to be at least one engine penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Who's it going to be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, you hear all the rumours about Lewis needing another one. I doubt Lewis will take one just yet. But uh, just the amount of engine penalties recently, it's it, we, we're getting silly with the amount of engine penalties. So there'll, be yeah. at least, there'll be at least one engine penalty, if not more. Yeah, I mean, it's quite ridiculous. I mean, practically everybody has had to take an engine penalty of some sort this season. Um, I mean, we've been going to so many races this year. I mean, when the rules were introduced, I think, oh God, we only had like probably about less than 20 races or something crazy like that. Um, now we're looking at going to 23 next season and it's still three engine parts for some parts and two for a few others. I mean, given the fact that practically everybody has had to have an engine penalty at some point, at some point, or be it Ferrari have only had to take one because of their upgrades, but it still counts. Do you think that F1 should be a bit, little bit more lenient and let everyone have one extra part of everything for next season as a proviso? Because, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on getting these rules, right? Not just for performance as far as the engines goes, but reliability as well. So if we're going to more races, surely we should have a bit more leeway, especially in this cop cap era, uh, cost cap era, I should say. Um, what do you guys think? I completely agree. You know, if you want to have more races on, you've got to give the guys the machinery in order to put on a show. Because, look, it as 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 likely as it look at Max is going to win this championship. Can you imagine if the outcome was decided based on one of these stupid engine penalties? It's just it's just taking away a part of the spectacle. Mm. So, I, I but look, I'm, I'm sure. I speak on behalf of a lot of the fans that sound that I'm not happy about it at all. It was ridiculous. So I think it was like, how many were there in Mexico? Was it three, four, maybe five? It's quite a lot. I never tallied yeah. them up, but I think it was like, I think someone said this, and I think they said, if you managed to beat Latifi, the two Alfa Romeos and the two Hasses, you'd start in the top 10 or very close to it. Something silly like that. So it just shows how mad it's gotten this year. Um, but Lee, what do you reckon? Should we allow the teams to have one of extra, one of everything extra for next season? Increase the um, threshold I, a bit. Yeah, I reckon they should have the extra of next season, especially you have new cars um, for next season. That's new air, um, new ventilation, new air intakes. Cars are potentially overheat. Um, engines will suck. for next season more races or just as many races. I, I think it just makes sense to give a whole one of extra if it's surplus requirement reduce it again into 23 but i think for 22 they yeah i mean it's just makes sense mm. yeah it's absolutely crazy i mean i mean look at mercedes usually the team setting the standard for engine performance and reliability in this turbo hybrid era and because of how far honda and ferrari and renault have had to push them they've just had so many engine penalties issues particularly bottas as well um that's why I kind of think that given all the rumours and stuff we've been hearing about all Lewis taking an engine penalty, I think he may do that. I think he may have to this weekend. Um, and that's going to be my bold prediction. I think if Lewis has to take an engine penalty, I think he will. And he will still come second because I just think he's that good. Um, and I think he's going to have a strong weekend regardless. But if he does take an engine penalty, I think that's going to cost him any chance of winning this race. I think Verstappen is certainly beatable. But I think if he takes that penalty and has to start five places down, I think that's going to ruin it for him unless something crazy happens. Um, but look, we've been going at this for long enough, guys. Um, guys, of course, if you are 
uh, interesting and let us know what your thoughts are for this weekend's Grand Prix and your predictions. Do let us know in the comments below. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcasting platform, you can also go onto the YouTube channel, leave your comments and predictions if you want to as well. But of course, don't forget, if you have enjoyed the episode, consider liking the channel and subscribing to us as well. We'd really appreciate that. And also the same on your favorite podcasting platform. And of course, you can give us a five-star review if you feel that we're worthy of one please feel free to do so. Anyone that does, we will give you a shout out on the next episode. So there's always a nice little incentive as well. But until then, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe. We've been DNF1 and we will see you on the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.